0: Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Donovan, the mindset disruption strategist and president and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and Hi, this is Eric L. Dunavut, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Thank you so much for joining me today for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. And I know that you're going to enjoy our interview today. Joining me today are Blake and Stephanie Alexander with the Alexander Family Farms. Um, you're going to need to go visit their website. We'll talk about that more at the, at the end of this, but the things that they're doing from, I, I, I would use the word organic, but they're taking it so much further than that are fascinating. Um, and then their heart for the kingdom and their, the way that they've brought their family into this, just knowing the importance as you guys know me, you know, this intersection of family and finance, and how do we do things together as a family that can make a difference. I, again, I think you're going to love their story. So Blake, Stephanie, thank you so much for
1: being here today. You're welcome, Eric. It's an honor to be here. And and thank you for reaching out and having us and uh, allowing us to uh, participate with you and your audience.
2: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So here's what I like to do. Um, And kind of take this where you feel like the best place to tell the story is, but give my audience, a thirty thousand foot view of your life, the family, the business—just kind of take us through. Give us the highlights.
1: Sure. Um, so I, I grew up as a farmer, a farm kid on a dairy farm in Northern California, on the coast, in, in a little town called Ferndale in Humboldt County. Uh, went away to college at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where I met Stephanie. And she-
2: I grew up in Southern California on a dairy farm, and um, forty-five miles or 45 minutes east of LA and grew up on a dairy farm and always prayed I'd marry a dairy farmer because I just loved the life. I had a mom who worked outside on the farm and loved to work alongside her.
1: Yeah, so so it was uh, our, our university that brought us together and uh, eventually we got married in 1988 and uh, dairied in Southern California down in Stephanie's hometown for about four years. And then this property came for sale back up here in, in extreme Northern California where we're coming to you live today from our kitchen table here in crescent city california uh we're about a mile from the ocean and about 10 miles out of oregon uh, the upper north corner and and it's just a beautiful setting and so this ranch came for sale in uh, 1992 and we we struggled and put a deal together and and bought this ranch and it was a a, a very big undertaking Uh, we've been here uh, for 30 years we've raised our five children here who are now uh almost 23 up to 31 years old, three of them married, a couple of grandkids already, and a couple more on the way.
2: And because we bought a ranch that was outside of the dairy communities we grew up with, um, our parents, both of our parents weren't very supportive. And I remember Blake talking that, and telling them that we just feel called to be here in this community.
0: So, how did you find this particular? That's because that's fascinating to me. You're leaving your families to go start this dairy. How did how did it come to you? How did you
1: find it? Yeah, I, I, I remember the day and the moment I got the phone call from Ron Peters, the, the the real estate broker who uh happened to be at a meeting with me that day and he he pulled me aside and said hey blake i just got a listing on a big ranch up north and it's kind of you know it's a hundred miles from where i grew up and so i was quite familiar with this ranch and uh an hour later i drove home to my house there, our house there and pulled out my photo album for my freshman year of college when this dairy was brand new and i went and visited it with a couple of kids that were driving home from cal poly up to canada to their home and uh you know, I, I, you know, just from that day forward, worked with this broker. We, 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 um it was absolutely a dream. Uh It wasn't a reality that we could ever pull this deal off because it was a $3 million um, purchase price at the time. And that was a big number for us. And, uh you know, we didn't have a clue of how we were going to get there. But 10 months later, we got here. Wow. From a life stage step, life stage
0: standpoint, especially Stephanie, I'd love to hear from you. How old were the kids? I mean, so you've got 23 to 31. How many did you have at that time when you're making this decision?
2: We had it. Well, by the time we closed up, girl, we had a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And there really wasn't a house for us to live in. So we actually lived in the office space, which was on top of the milk barn. Um, so those are those are tough years after a couple of years tears would well up in my eyes telling the story because I actually got pregnant so within three years yeah, so, our, our first three kids are under three years old
1: yeah so we we lived on top of the milk barn for 13 months we moved out the evening before uh, number three was born <laughs> wow wow <laughs> so what was that like tell me
0: a little bit more kind of about that and and then even maybe, I think what would help too to help the audience is like getting from there, like where did you, what I usually find in an entrepreneur's journey and in the story is you're building these things like there are some things that transit, like there's some big things that happen along the way. they are like big kind of transition points. So right. not only like what was it like then, but where did you start to kind of see some turning points of like, yeah, we could do this. Yeah, this could work. Yes, this yeah. is something we that really not only are we called to, but God is going to bless us
1: inside of. Sure. So in in 1991, I I became part of a uh, California Ag leadership class. It was class number 22, and it's a two-year commitment uh, on on both sides. And and the leadership class is a, a really big deal in this agriculture world that we live in here in California and that they're spending 700000 a year on these two classes, two groups of 30 individuals. And at that point, I was the youngest one in the class. <clears throat> and it was a very um, eye-opening kind of, um, you know, challenge yourself, uh, get outside your normal comfort zone kind of an experience. And it's important that you come home from those events and, and, and things and share it with your spouse, and in my case, Stephanie, so that she can, you know, learn and grow with me. And, and so... it it really opened our mind up to thinking outside the box and and, paying attention more to the environment and
2: and being uh,
1: good stewards of kind of the gifts that we have as well as the uh, the material assets and possessions that we have, which is in that case, cows and land and and, uh, I'd say employees and people. And so we, we came into this with an extremely enlightened open mind, if you will, and uh, the, I'd say the, the the Aleutian goose story was probably the first uh, major thing where we, we started swimming upstream as opposed to, uh, you know, following the flow of the water with all the other people in our industry. And the ranch that we happened to buy here was the home for uh, an endangered species that is a Canada Aleutian goose that, that lives... Uh, on the Aleutian Islands the majority of the year and spends about three months or so over here on the on the mainland. And it's a seventeen hundred mile flight and we're kind of on the most western point of the United, continental United States. And um, they they would use our ranch a lot. And our ranch was kind of in a neglected state and, and nobody was bothered by all these geese eating out here and eating our feed. And and yet when I came home from a, a big trip, uh, the neighbors were saying, you need to chase those geese away. You need to push them away. You know, you don't have to put up with that. And yet they're a federally endangered species, and um, we decided to to leave them and to work with them and to work with the agencies and to work with the yeah. government. And it was a really, I don't know, wonderful experience. Um, we developed a logo back then. We put the goose on our logo. It was a big part of our life.
2: And and I think also moving to this area where we live, like like I said, we live right by the ocean. We have riparian zones and creeks through our ranch that are just gorgeous, and it's just really a pristine God's country kind of place. And we would see this in these environmentalists, these tree huggers, you know, touting about the environment, wanting to save everything. And we realized we are the biggest environmentalists. We are. We want to steward the land so it's better than we found it. So it's available for generations after generations. We're not here to destroy
1: it or anything.
2: And and you kind of had this us first them, and it's like wait, we're them too.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we you know, we have to buy the land and, and steward it along and take great care of it so that it gives back to us in a way that we can make our payments and survive. And and so you know, there's a incredible responsibility when you start managing land, and uh, it, it just was. I don't know, it, it was a very uh, life-altering experience, kind of supporting those geese first, uh, which, um, you know, back then there was just barely 5,000 of them. There's currently now close to 200,000. They've gone from endangered to threatened and now hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, a dozen or two living in our front yard. They're awesome. Like we, we enjoy them every day. <laughs> and, uh,
2: so that whole story really helped define us.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it starts with illusion. am I saying that right? Okay. Goose. The illusion Goose starts your idea of beginning to understand the opportunity to steward the land. Um, right. And then you've done this program with the agriculture group. So you're beginning to see even more of what's possible. Could tell, take me on the right, re- so let's continue your journey, kind of tell what what happens yeah, next.
1: Then, what do you then begin to see? Yeah. Sure, great questions. Um, it's, it's taken me down a path that we normally don't go through on, on talks or interviews. And, and uh, so I, I'd say first step was my, my father, our training from being a farmer, you know, down hmm. the road, a hundred miles. Now don't, don't participate with the government programs, avoid them. They come with strings attached. Don't accept that, that, that free money to do X, Y, or Z. And so I had that attitude and hmm. um, I, I don't know when it changed exactly, but it, it, it dawned on me at some point, I'm not going to go broke here trying to prove a point i'm going to participate in the process these are government dollars that are meant to do good things i'm going to be a great steward of those dollars Mm. and and so that we have done we have you know we've participated in all programs trying to make them better trying to accept some some of the, the the government money to to really do riparian restoration work and so it was literally getting out and planting trees and fencing our cattle out of the waterways and then watching just life prosper. And and it's been a wonderful experience. It served us well. So a few years later, when somebody asked local dairymen to make organic milk, we were the first ones with our hands up saying, let's go. We'll do it. Oh, wow.
0: But one of the things when I was looking on your website, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, I, I feel like you guys have a unique approach to organic. It's not just organic, but it's more than that to you when I was looking at your website, that's what really kind of jumped out to me. Um, So do I capture that correctly? Am I reading that correctly when I saw that?
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, when we were asked to go organic and you try and do all these organic principles, but yet we were schooled in high yield agriculture at Cal Poly, we um, started learning the place to learn it was in the Midwest, where Organic Valley kind of started their dairy farms. And also Acres USA was a conference. And it was really cool the keynote speakers at a conference like this was the doctors. They were the doctors (laughs) making a difference in people's life by teaching people to go to the farm instead of the pharmacy. So personally, I became this nutrient-dense foodie mom in the kitchen and then also worried about keeping calves alive and raising healthy calves. So it's all about nutrient density and great foods. Mm -hmm. And then Blake in that period also started reading a book by Gary Zimmer, the biological farmer, and he became a grass and soil enthusiast. And so it really got us really passionate um, that that's what we're supposed to do. Um, it was very purposeful at that point as farmers to produce this food that was going to be wholesome and and better and the best
1: at it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I would also add to that experience of taking a look at our website and saying, wow, these you know these guys just aren't your average organic dairy. Um, and. and and what what it is is a real focus on soil and and so, as I read that book, the biological farmer you know it, the the purpose there is it's all about the biology and the biology and the soil and mm-hmm. and basically what got created and understanding the the bacteria and the fungus and the microhiza and the and the microanthropods and the nematodes yeah. that are the all
2: part, yeah
1: <laughs> nematodes that are all part of this uh, soil food web as people call it. And it's, um, you know, it's our job as farmers or as stewards to, to kind of not do anything that harms that system. And that's a complete 180 of what we were learning at universities for the last, say, six or seven decades. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, so here we are in the 1990s, kind of really getting exposed to a whole new world. I remember when I found out that urea, a nitrogen um, fertilizer that is very common in, in, in our world, you know, it kills earthworms and all those other biology critters that I mentioned. It's like, wow, I was mad. I was mad that I just mm. spent four years at university and nobody told me that. Yeah. It, it, it's, that's really a sad story. And, and so, so just to have that in the back of our mind along the way, and we're trying to do the right thing at every turn. Um it, it was back then when our kids were wearing these little bracelets that said, What would Jesus do? Right. Yeah. And um I just always I always think about every day, what would Jesus do? What what is the right thing to do? And and so you know, we've got a little motto around here that we teach our employees and our kids and everybody, you know, what what do the right thing at every turn. And mm. sometimes Really hard to do the right thing. Sometimes they aren't. It's not even legal to do the right thing. It's not legal to compost our dead cows and put them in our, our compost and return those nutrients back to the soil, because hmm. you know we've got silly rules that come along the way that say you can't do this and you got to do that. And and, and, and you know that, that there's a lot of examples of that I could go through. But
0: let me ask you this question, uh, kind of about your journey along the way. So you're getting really passionate about doing this. Um, I would imagine like most business owners, there's the, there's the struggle of following the dream that you feel compelled to this calling that is on your life, I especially find this about kind of this redefining success is like, no, I got is pointing me in a different direction and I've seen something that's completely different, but at this point it's a calling, but it's not profitable yet. It's not. Yep. So, you know, the vision, God doesn't yeah, always that. provide all the funding for the vision and still calls us to go. So, Walk me through a little bit of that season, because I know that there's still some things that you're working through right now, but I look like you're in Whole Foods and some things like that. So you've turned a little bit of the corner, but it wasn't always that way, I would imagine. So tell tell my listeners a little bit about that part.
1: Clearly, yeah, I'm just thinking back three, four years ago, a super great friend of mine who just beat me over the head with this saying that uh, he heard, I think, on Shark Tank from Mark Cuban, you know, it's about the green, not the dream. And you know my my friend just knew knows me really well knows me more than I know myself and you know he he felt it was important to slap me with that about five times a week mm. for a couple of years and, and you know Blake it's about the the green not the dream and I'm just fighting it all the way right and, and so no for me it's about the dream it's it, it, it's it's about doing the right thing it's about raising kids and and grandkids that will be better than I am and better than we are. And it's about leaving this land in, in a much better place than I would ever leave it. And I trust God is going to somehow allow us to continue doing that, even though you know, we put a lot of pressure on God and the system. <laughs> I was
0: just thinking, I sure am glad that Joseph understood mm-hmm. that it was about the dream and not the green. You right. know, it was willing yeah. to go into yes. slavery in Egypt and everything else. Because wow. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's a different story. Right.
2: Yeah. And when you truly understand your purpose of just producing better food for more people, there's just always these signs that we're doing the right thing. You know, we have struggles and thank goodness for the book, the Bible that it just, you open to the right verse and it's always the right timing when I need to see it hear it. I love Jesus Calling by Sarah Mm -hmm. Young. I read it every day and look up those verses. And I have in the inside cover, my key dates to go back to with i need trust and lacking it or if i need strength or wisdom where i go and go back to the word that's our 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 purpose there for him for his uh,
1: kingdom i I think it's also important to kind of point out you know the mistakes that are made or the uh, there's a negative side to to this attitude that i'm projecting and you know i've kind of got my foot on the throttle all the time and, and stephanie's job here is to you know sit and with her feet on the brakes and sometimes she's yelling and screaming slow down but you know there's there's some uh, vendor victims along the way right we can't always afford to pay our bills we're we're biting off more than we can chew and 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 uh, that's a very common theme in my life and you know it puts pressure on folks Mm. Mm.
0: tell me a little bit I mean, I, I'm i going to say this for our listeners. You may know these statistics, but I mean, 70% of family businesses don't make it past one generation. I was looking on your website. You've got the influence of, you know, five generations from understanding the soil, if I read that right. And I mean, you're now into the right. sixth generation with your children. So maybe it's sixth generation business, which would be like, that's like- 90% of family wealth doesn't even make it out of the second generation. But let's look at this from a business standpoint. Let's say you're even going to the second generation here with this dairy, um, the, the, this specific dairy, this Alexander family farm. Um, even if we were in that, again, you guys are way above the statistics. All of your kids are engaged in this. What has really been, because they could choose to go do other things, right? What have you found mm-hmm. has been really kind of the key to keeping the family passionate inside of this?
1: Right. It, it's, um, you know, I, I I caught in one of your videos, the, the proverb, I think you said from Switzerland or something about, you know, first generation makes it and sec- second generation generally, generally holds it and third generation basically loses it and fourth generation is out and, Yeah.
0: And
1: um, I heard that when I heard that 40 years ago. And, and, you know, at that point, I'm second generation on my dad's side and third generation on my mom's side and actually fourth generation on mom's side. So my, my grandfather and my great-grandfather were dairy farmers in Ferndale, and and my dad was an immigrant that came in and, and rented another facility, and that's where I grew up. And so I, I've always felt that, you know, I don't want to lose this on my watch. And so I think that's where I get this over-aggressive attitude that um, you know, I'm compensating for that all the time. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Stephanie, what? tell me kind of your role together what have you seen from the family standpoint? What, because again, I'm impressed that your kids are involved in the farming. I mean, I've just let me just tell you so far and my kids are 21 down to 15. They don't want anything to do with my business. So it's a little <laughs> bit to have them actually willing to stay to go off to It looks like everybody went off to Cal Poly and came back, but to come back, that's a big deal. What, from your perspective, what, what is, what's the, what's, the unique factor, the wisdom that God has given you that is kind of binded bond the family together around this. And build it and they will come.
2: <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Thank you. Um, they, One of the things, to hear our daughter, Vanessa, explain it, she said it was pivotal that our parents raised us right next to the baby calves, right across the street from the milk barn. We had the opportunity to live in a big house down the road, a mile that was huge and beautiful an old, old craftsman style house. But I really, we really wanted to raise our kids on the farm Mm -hmm. because we knew it was so important that the kids see mom and dad and be a part of it. You know, they're in tow when you do things, as opposed to leaving the kids a mile away until they're old enough to be with us. So that was key, our daughter told us. And and I think that was a a big deal um, Mm -hmm. that, and and we made it a priority that we were doing this all, it was all about raising kids. Mm -hmm. And, um. Doing it in with James Dobson,
1: Dare to Discipline style. (laughs) Um, Learning from him during those years. Uh, Another piece of that puzzle for us was knowing that our kids are growing up here on the farm, and they're part of uh, all the employees' day-to-day work. And Mm -hmm. so it was important to us to hire and fire based on character, and we Mm want you know, employees. That, um you know kind of watch themselves around little kids and watch themselves around women and watch themselves around you know the public if you will and so um you know we've got another philosophy we've created that you know, simply said we hire and fire based on character and that's mm-hmm. hard to live up to. and so you know it's just, it's a real difficult thing to let someone go and, and um, you know try to get them to leave and, and still have a smile on their face as they're doing it And then
2: also with those employees, they became like the grandfathers and the uncles to the kids. And their first best friends were the other employees' kids because they were all living around the ranch and neighbors and stuff like that. And so that was a beautiful thing, especially because we didn't have our family close by Mm -hmm. and the family, our family became our employees, our dairy. It was all a part of our lives. Wow,
0: wow. So you've got Alexander Family Farms um, today. Tell us a little bit about yeah. like, so if somebody's like interested in the products and everything you said, Whole Foods, what uh, your website, which is alexanderfamilyfarm.com, um, yeah. where are places that people can find, you know, find out more on the website, find more of your products and things like yeah. that?
2: On our website, there's a store locator and you can certainly type in your zip code and see where you can get our products. We have a whole line of organic regenerative um, A2 a2 organic milk and a2 is the digestible dairy and so we're getting a lot of people who can't do dairy that are coming back um, there are studies about it and in fact some of the newest studies are being funded by parents of autistic kids so it's really exciting this new product we have
1: so we, you know in terms of where are we available we're, we're all high-end natural food stores on the west coast up and down the three or four or five states here out in the west and then starting a year ago right now, we uh, launched Nash Nationwide into Whole Foods. And so we're in all Whole Foods with a um, couple of cartons of milk okay. and um, growing. And then they just started a couple of our yogurts uh, nationwide. Um, there's 500 and some Whole Foods across the country. And then there's probably another five or 700 stores that we're also in. Uh, Sprouts is going to accept mm. our yogurts and, and the, that milk starting uh, actually this month, February already. Oh, that's exciting.
0: That's exciting. If you kind of look, and this is always a hard question, I think, but I, I love to ask it. If you if you look out kind of the next two to three and even five years, what are you guys most excited about on what's happening with Alexander Family Farms?
2: Oh, just teaching other farmers how to be regenerative, how to take care of soil and soil health. Teaching parents how to feed their kids and and shop the perimeter of the grocery store and eat real foods as opposed to the processed foods we both love to educate
1: and and teach and yeah i i I think that teaching is going to come in the form of regenerative agriculture and explaining that to farmers even consumers and maybe even to you right now yeah Um, you know what what does regenerative mean Um, you know this this open-mindedness and this maverick attitude that we've had has kind of led us down a path where we became the very first uh, certified and verified regenerative farm in the nation here a year ago and 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 that's a really exciting thing Uh, the today show came out a little feature on us because of that you know and uh you know i i think you know that's absolutely a god thing that's not because we set out to do anything like that Mm-hmm. Um, but now we get a lot of interest, and a lot of um, find ourselves invited to, you know, speak to a lot of different groups, and to be part of uh, some big conversations with large food chains that uh, mm-hmm. that want to make a difference, want to change their food, uh, you know, from chocolate bars to all dairy products to powdered milks and 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 many many things, and it's exciting. So wow, uh, it is
0: exciting. I- I have to ask this question. I don't know the answer. I'm going to assume I know the answer because it's a kingdom principle, but sure. I'm going to imagine that the quality of the food that you're getting and the output of that you're getting by doing it this way is better than what you'd get at doing it under traditional methods. Is that a fair statement? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, when you take care of the soil biology, then the soil becomes healthier, and the nutrients are more available to the plant roots, and then you know, the, rant, the plant roots are then in return more healthy, and, and the animals are healthier because of that. And so, more nutritionally complex and, and uh, micronutrients are, are, are where they're supposed to be and traveling to the, uh, the source of the cow or the animal, the chicken, so, and, and so then the eggs and the, the meat. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. The eggs, the milk, and the meat are, are then better for you, and um, and so yeah, it absolutely transfers. There's a there's a reason that a lot of folks. Uh, I heard last week, 85% of all households now buy organic products, mm. um, and that's that's. I remember when it was 50%, and we were excited. That was you know quite a few years ago. So it's um, it's a pretty you know it, it's a it's not a trend. It's here to stay. People are doing it for the right reasons.
0: Well, I mean, it's what I what I found to be true. And, and it's the whole reason that I love it. the reason we're capturing these stories is God's kingdom in one sense is upside down. It's so different than what the rest of the way the rest of the world is doing it. But the re, the minute you plug into his principles like, yeah, that works better. You know, that just... That's a better way to do it. We've been doing it backwards yep. and messing it up. And now if we just follow yep. his plan, and that's what I love about what you guys have discovered from the soil and the pro- the production. I'm actually telling, I'll tell everyone who's listening and like to you right now, like I'm excited to go out and try some of your milk because I'm one of those people that can't have milk.
1: Okay. You know, like,
0: exactly. I cannot have dairy. It messes me up. And so I'd love to go try some and yep. see what happens.
2: Yeah. It, and, and we get that a lot. I love it when a lady from Tennessee, she called and got a hold of me and she said, my little boy cannot do dairy. And he's seven years old and he was able to drink your dairy. And she says, Mommy, this is heaven in a jug.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it. it it seems like 70, 80, 90 percent of people that are in your situation are OK once they, they get on A2, A2 milk. And uh, so um, it's the protein and milk that we, we've just simply uh, chosen cows that, that received the right genes from their parents.
0: I've got a few questions I want to finish up with. You guys have such sure. an incredible story. I love just where you're coming from. And I'm going to look forward to just kind of following your journey from here on out. Is there anything we haven't talked about, that, knowing that we've got the audience and you've got a chance, you've got the microphone that you know, you know you want to say that I didn't get a chance to ask you about?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll touch on that. And I think Stephanie will probably want to add to this. I had a chance to sit down with the president of the local university yesterday, and um, he's doing some great things. And so it's, it's Humboldt State University that uh, that's what they were called a week ago. And today they're uh, Cal Poly, California Polytechnic Humboldt. And, Mm. And so it's re-facelift, if you will, of, of their, their thinking. And so one of the mottos with the Cal Poly is learning by doing. Mm. And so anyhow, I'm having lunch with him yesterday and he's asking me for this next big idea. What what do we want? Well, I'm, I'm explaining to him about regenerative and some con- uh, c- culinary stuff that a, a great friend of ours is, is kind of a famous chef that would love to help the university. And I think the important part the the message that's missing from society today and maybe around the world is that the way that people get to health is through good food, good nutrition and doctors and universities and, and the education system there is a little skewed in in treating things. Much like we used to treat our soils with nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus and, and think that that was growing healthy food. No, it was growing more food. It wasn't healthier food. And so so we need to shift our education and and and, and, and really, you know, people need to go to the farm instead of the pharmacy. And, and yet doctors need to understand how, how they get you know, better health.
2: Mm. Wow. I. I... Echo what Blake says. And and there's a lot of information out there. And and when we learned about foods and, and really making a difference um, 20 years ago, one of the best books I read was Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Dr. Weston A. Price. Incredible read about a doctor in the 30s who discovered worldwide what the healthiest foods were. And they were all animal-based. And the fact that we have an agenda in this country to move away from animal-based, mm. animals are the, the true brain food And they nourish the earth with their rotational grazing in our style of of farming. And there's a friend of mine, she has a website called God's Good Table. And I love it because she's deep in her faith and it's all about what God would have us be eating. And she recommends that book, number one, too. And so um, So say the name of the book book
0: again so that my listeners can get that. That was going to be one thing I was going to ask you. I'm going to use that as your book because that sounds incredible.
2: Yeah. Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by dr weston a price okay and it was written in 1930 and then and the website is it still in
0: publication or do we have to find it out yes, of publication okay
2: nope it's still in publication and the website um, i would recommend
1: No,
0: that's fantastic all the
1: cool people are still
0: buying it
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love
0: that it's so let me just ask you this question as we kind of wrap up. Um, let's say somebody's listening and they're like, I love what I'm hearing. And um, we, we mentioned your website again, Alexander Family Farm is one place they can go to get more information. But if they want to get in touch with you or they want to um, get more information on what's going on, we've got the website. What other places would you recommend that people reach out to to get in touch with you?
2: And um, yeah, through our website, people get in touch with us. We love it when people call our cell phones. and. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't mind having those out there we love those conversations to walk outside while we're working on the computer or in the middle of something it's fun to just be inspired to um, have a conversation with like-minded people
1: yeah I, i'm 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 a bit old-fashioned i was just gonna say call me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you guys know who yeah, bob you're, goff you're, is no
0: okay he, he's been pretty famous in the community he wrote a book called love does and he put his cell phone number in the back <laughs> of that and he was like I don't know if that was a good idea or not. Yeah, yeah, sure.
2: So here's Listen what I'm going to
0: tell phone, my listeners. First, first, first. Um, I'm not going to publish your cell phone on the show. What I'm going to okay. do is go to their website, send them an email. And if you want their you cell go. phone, they can share it with you via email. I'm not going to be the person that you're like, take the episode down. Take our cell phones off. We can't sleep. Um, uh, it,
1: it's but great. it was
0: funny because my son, who's now 21, when he was 17, he called them on the cell phone and he picked up. So it was... It was really crazy. Um, so that's a, having a conversation that way is good. Blake, Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Um, this has been insightful. It's been just a great, I've loved the conversation that we've had and, um, I love your hearts and I love how you're redefining success in farming. I mean, that is just what you're doing. Um, I look forward to just watching your journey and watching what happens from here. So, Um, Thank you again for being on the show. Everyone um, look forward to just getting your comments, um, just listening and kind of seeing what you think. Get in touch with Blake and Stephanie. If you've got questions, um, alexanderfamilyfarm.com. And we look forward to being with you next episode. God bless you.
1: God bless you.
0: Thank you, Thank you. Eric L. Dunivett here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunovit.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining Success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media, and we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm gonna recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, All of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com. And all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.